We're in a series of messages titled Unstoppable, Unstoppable. And it is a, an ex- really, I'm enjoying this. You know, here's the, here's the deal. Can I, I'm just going to be really, really open and honest with you. I hope I'm that way every week, but I'm going to be really open and honest with you today. Whether y'all are joining it or not, I'm enjoying it. Okay, I just want you to, I just want to tell you that. I want you to know I am thoroughly enjoying our time in the book of Acts. And I am absolutely confident that as time goes forward, we're going to see things that I think will really open up our lives and open up our hearts to things that God wants to do in, in us, but also through us. And that's one of the things that you discover as you study the book of Acts. Uh, you know, Lord of the Rings is a series of, uh, a series of books that was turned into an incredible film series back in the early 2000s that, you know, our family, probably like a lot of families, journeyed off together. Uh, I think they came out at Christmas time, so it was kind of our Christmas tradition to go to a movie. we go see Lord of the Rings. And then we'd spend the three or three hours or so <laughs> enjoying the film together. And it was delightful. A trilogy of films based on J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, book series by the same name, Lord of the Rings. In fact, Tolkien was influential in C.S. Lewis' Journey of Faith. And so it's, a, it's, an incredible, it's an incredible story. Well, what does it have to do with anything? Well, in the second movie titled The Two Towers, King Theoden is, they're preparing for this incredible battle at what was called Helm's Deep in, this, in the series. And here's what he says. And so it begins. That was, the, that was the phrase that he used. And so it begins. You say, well, what does that have to do with much? Well, here's what it means. And so it begins, means the start of a major or significant event. So in that story, that's what happened. There was a, 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 very, a very significant battle that was happening at that moment, something significant. So he says, and so it begins. The title of the message this morning is just that, and so it begins. You say, well, okay, what's that significant event that you might be talking about, Pastor Gary? What, what does that have to do with anything in the book of Acts? Well, let me read you a scripture from Acts chapter 4. We're not in Acts chapter 4. We're in Acts chapter 3. But I want you to go to Acts chapter 4. And this is what we read in verse number 2 of Acts 4. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You see, something happens in chapter 3 that sets off a chain of events of opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ being shared. That's what we read about. And literally, from this point forward, through the remainder of the book of Acts, you will see, and I will see again and again, opposition to the good news of Jesus. Specifically this morning, what set everything in motion, are you ready for this? The the healing of a 40-year-old, he was probably more than 40, but at least 40-year-old man. That's what set it in motion. This was a guy who had been crippled from birth. He was lame in his feet and his ankles. He he could not walk. He was brought as a beggar every day to the temple to try and get something from the people who would gather. And because he was healed and because Peter and John began to preach the name of Jesus, there was opposition. You would think that people would rejoice at at a miracle like this. Well, the people did. The religious leaders didn't. And that's what began, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Understand this. Satan will oppose Christ and his people 
at every turn and every opportunity. And, and, it, and it is something we just have to come to grips with. Understand this. When you and I live our life of faith, opposition is going to be a natural occurrence. Even when, so let me just back up to something that's happening right now, okay? We have a group of people going to royal family next week, doing the work of the Lord. And you know what's going to happen? There will be struggle, challenge, opposition, all kinds. Why? Because we are doing the work of the Lord. That's why prayer is so critical to cover those who are going to royal family. Amen? Amen. You see, everything, Satan's going to use every opportunity to, to, to work, to subvert, to destroy, to oppose that which God is doing. In this series of Unstoppable, we witnessed Jesus returned to heaven, the selection of Jesus, Judas' replacement. We have the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the, the church really coming, to, coming into its own and learning and caring environment. The favor of the community in every respect. And now, opposition. Opposition. It's all so good. It's all so good. But yet we have to admit, and so it begins. And so it begins. And this is a side note. When God does something really great in your life, which I pray he does every day, don't, don't be surprised when the enemy does everything he can to take the joy and the victory away from what God has done. Don't be surprised. It'll happen. And so it begins. But remember, Jesus said, I'll put together my church, Matthew 16, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell We'll keep it out. The church is unrelenting. The church is unrelenting. And I'll just say this. Not only the church is unrelenting, but the people of God are also when they are anchored to Christ. The, the, the unrelenting, there's nothing that will overcome it. There's nothing that will stop its advance because it's unstoppable. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your word. And I pray this morning that you'll open up our hearts to what you have to say to us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about a few things this morning. A little bit different kind of a little different approach on the outline itself. The first is, I'm just titling it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase or thought about that phrase. Or, or maybe just used it, ah, oh, it's a beautiful, you know, you see something, you go, ah, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Or somebody says, ah, oh, it's just a beautiful thing. Well, what might I be talking about when I say it's a beautiful thing? Well, let's take a look at Acts chapter three, beginning at verse number one. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the, at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Just so you know, there were three times of prayer each day that they observed. This was the second time before the evening prayers, okay? Now, a man who was lame from birth was, was being carried to the temple called gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. The phrase, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Well, what is, what is beautiful? The things that, possess, things that possess qualities that give great pleasure, satisfaction to see, hear, think about are those things that delight the senses of the mind. What's so beautiful about this scene? Well, it's actually, what makes it beautiful is where it took place. It was one of the gates into the temple, and it looked like this at the time that this man was laid in front of this gate. 
It was made of Corinthian bronze. The gates itself were 60 feet high, but the entire thing was 75 feet high. It, it was brighter and more brilliant and more beautiful than any of the other gates that had been adorned with silver and gold. This was an extraordinary place. So you can see the contrast. You bring a lame beggar to a place that's beautiful. And what we're going to experience from this, we're going to experience a beautiful thing. So it's a beautiful place, and there's a beautiful thing that's going to take place. And so I give you three thoughts. The first observation is this. Timing is everything. This is the time of prayer. And so this man is brought at a time when it would be advantageous to him to receive alms, silver, gold, money, anything that people might give him. People were on their way. It was a, it was a routine and it was probably a routine for him. But he had to be carried there by others. He was, inable, he was unable to do it on his own. I don't have any indication how long after Pentecost this took place. But what we witness is something very profound. John and Peter's faithfulness to the time of prayer. John and Peter's faithfulness to the time of prayer. You say, why is this significant, Gary? Whenever your time, listen to this. Whenever your time to worship, seek God, and pray is, be faithful to it. Okay? That's what, it's just a simple thought. Here, God has done something extraordinary with this rising up of this new community of believers. It's amazing what God's doing. The growth of the church is just expansive. And Peter and John are busy, as you might imagine, kind of managing this in its initial stages. And you'll see more of that as time goes on in the book of Acts, that they had to dedicate themselves wholly to that. But think about this. Even in the midst of all of their busyness, in the midst of all of their responsibilities, what did they do? They were faithful to their time of prayer. You and I are busy beyond words. There, I, I, can't even, I can't even begin to imagine what some of your lives look like. If you have to commute to Orange County and you have to drive the 91, God be with you. Okay? Even, even if you've got the, the fast track. I mean, it, it's, it, it sometimes just doesn't matter. The busyness of that. And I will tell you, then you come home to family responsibilities. And then you come home to maybe some own personal things that just seem to overwhelm us all. Isn't it easy to just say, you know something? I just don't have the time today. Hmm. No, it's not a matter of having the time. It's a matter of dedicating ourselves to a time and being faithful to it. God will bless that and God will use that. God, God can redeem the time. Learn how to let him redeem the time. Matthew chapter six says, when you pray, go into a room alone and close the door. Pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private and he will reward you. See, this beggar was brought at this time when there were numerous good prospects from whom he could receive money. And that's really, to me, as a side note, to me, it's just so significant that Peter and John went and were dedicated to the time of prayer, and it challenges me to be the same. If you're commuting, turn off all your devices and begin to pray. Maybe that's, a, that's, your, maybe that's your closet. Maybe that's that closed door. Maybe it is at home. Maybe you have the time to take a walk, and you can 
my point is be faithful to that time of seeking God. The second observation is his need is extreme. His need is extreme. This man is crippled from birth. Later you're going to learn that when he's healed, strength returns to his ankles and to his feet. Now what is, what's so significant about it? In the English, it just tells you ankles and feet. But in the Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, there are medical terms that are used. So it shows that there is a debilitating medical condition that he has had from birth. Why is it significant? Well, Luke himself was an educated man. He was a physician by, by, by profession. He used medical terms to describe this condition this man was experiencing. And what it, what it just simply says to us is that this man was critically he was critically ill. He had a serious condition. His need was extreme. His need was extreme. You know something? The, the truth is, is that in my life, your life, our needs, our needs can be extreme, can't they? You say, but Gary, my, my need isn't all that extreme. You know something? I think it is. And here's the reason I say it that way. To each of us, our own need is incredibly important. To someone else, they may look at what I'm experiencing and go, well, you know, it's not a big deal. But to me, it's a big deal. I may look at you and say, well, it's not a big deal. No, it's a big deal to you. If it's of concern to you, it's extreme. Because what happens, let me just give you an ex a contemporary example. Okay? You may have noticed, and some of you know this, I injured my shoulder a few weeks ago. I think it was eight weeks ago now. And I have to have surgery here in a couple weeks. No big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but it's no big deal. So I get up on Sunday mornings, and I've had, I just said, <laughs> Jeff and I were chatting early. He says, I see you moving that arm. How's it doing? Terrible. I look like a pterodactyl. I, I look like a velociraptor or a tyrannosaurus rex because I can't get this arm out any farther. Yeah, I'm moving it, but you'll notice that my elbow is really close to my side. Why? Because I can't move it. I blew it up. And you go, well, it's no big deal, Gary. No, I'm telling you, it's a big deal to me. When I'm not sleeping but four hours a night. Now, I'm not complaining. Don't misunderstand me. But we all look at other people's needs and we say, you know, not a big deal. I could. No, when it's important to us, it becomes extreme, doesn't it? And God's concerned about all of those. That's, I'm so grateful for that. This man's need was extreme. And, you know, all of us prior to knowing Christ were lame, crippled, infirmed, messed up, right? But aren't you grateful that Jesus came to our rescue? Amen. Hallelujah. And he heals us. He heals us in every form, in every fashion, in every way. But here's something so tragic. Even after people have come to faith in Christ, many remain spiritually crippled and lame. And don't walk in the victory and in the freedom that Christ has offered. Remember, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke chapter 4. He's anointed, he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives to the, will be, excuse me, proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Let God do something incredible in your life today. The third observation is great expectations. <clears throat> great expectations. The crippled beggar had great expectations of receiving money from Peter and John. However, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. It, it, it's the start of something far greater. 
than what he had expected. He had great expectations, but there was something greater that God had in mind for this man. What God has in mind for us is often far different and greater than our expectations. We limit what, we limit what God's going to do in our life by our, own, by our own thoughts. Well, this is what I'm asking for, but God desires to go above and beyond those things that we ask for. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Do you believe that this morning? That God can do more than what we ask or think. I trust that you do. I trust that you do. What we witness unfolding at the beautiful gate is a beautiful thing. It's just in its beginning stages here. But God is at work in the life of an extremely, extremely needy man. To be clear, all of us are in need of God's work in our lives. God is not intimidated by the extent of your need, our need, the length of the time that we struggled, and he will meet that need. And when he does, it's a beautiful thing. Amen? Second thought is a surge of faith. So we've had this beautiful thing, and we have a surge of faith. A surge of faith. And look at what we read, Acts chapter 3, verse 6. And Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What is so cool about this is that Peter and John make this statement. We don't have any silver and gold, but what we have, we're going to give you. They gave this man what they had. They gave him what they had. And that is so profound. It's so profound. Often we think that we have to give this, and it's something we don't have, so we have no way to do so. Give what you have. Paul would say it this way, that you and I, literally, we carry with us the treasure, the treasure of God, the treasure of life change within us, in these jars of clay, he calls us. Why don't we give that away? That's what Peter and John did. What they had received, they gave. God had done something great in them, and now through them, they are then the hands and the feet of Jesus. You see, Jesus had done great things in them, and now he'll do even greater things through them. Man, that is so good. Did you know that God wants to do something great in you, but he wants to do something greater through you? Through you, with the treasure that he has implanted in us by his spirit. John 14, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do. Those who believe will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Amen. Listen to this. Nurture, nurture a faith-filled confidence in what Jesus can do and will do through you. Don't limit what God wants to do through you. Whether it's at Royal Family or whether it's in your neighborhood or whether it's at your work, don't limit what God can do through you. Say, but Gary, I'm in a place where I'm messed. I've got a, I get all of the mess ups. I get all of the struggles, but God can still work through you. Paul would say it this way. I have a thorn in the flesh. It's a, I'm a mess. I've asked God to take it away, but he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul did not stop doing what God had called him to do because he had limitations and difficulties. And the same is true for each of us reach of us. Second, not only that they gave what they had, secondly, they acted in faith. 
There was this surge of faith where they gave away what they had and then they acted accordingly. They acted in faith. It's a great miracle. And what we see is the faith of Peter and John actively involved. Here's, here's a thought for you. You notice that they reached out and they took him by the hand. That's a step of faith, isn't it? To reach out. <laughs> Peter is saying, I believe that you can walk in the power of Christ. Boom. Let me show you. Boom. Up. And that's exactly what happened. You see, the power was Christ's. The power was Christ's, but the hand was Peter's. The power was Christ, but the hand was Peter's. And the same is true for you and me. It is the power of Christ by which we pray, we believe, we step out in faith. It is our hand, but it is the power of Jesus Christ accomplishing what God wants to do in your family, in your friends, in those at your work. It's, it's so, that's just, just so cool that God would choose us, would allow us to partner with him. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm going, I wouldn't choose you. You look in the mirror and you go, I'd choose, no, I'm not Man, and the guy's response, isn't that great? Walking and leaping and praising God. No kidding. When he had not walked ever and immediately strength returned, he sent some, man, you bet there's going to be praise. And I would encourage us when God does something, regardless, large, small, or in between, walk, leap, and praise God for what he does in your life. Each day, each and every day. You know, it was a cause to rejoice. Some years ago, um, we, were, we were in San Diego and had the opportunity to be a part of that great church. I was on my way to Sunday evening service, Marcy and I were, and we got a call prior to leaving our house that one of our leader's wives was in the hospital, very, very gravely ill, gravely ill. And they said, would you stop by and pray? And I said, sure. So we stopped by and went into the, she was in intensive care. Uh, her body was shutting down. Her, her, literally her, I don't know the medical condition, but I will just tell you, she was, she was on death's doorstep. There's no question. And the family knew it. So we prayed with her and then went to church. And she seemed to be, when we were at the hospital, somewhat stable. When we got to church, I got a call from another one of our staff members who was staying at the hospital with the family. And he said, Gary, call the church to prayer. This is serious. I said, absolutely. So before we did worship, before we did anything, I went to the went to the podium and I said, friends, we need to pray for uh, Judy. And so we joined together in prayer. And I will tell you, it was, it was not a, um, it's not one of those prayers you might write down and, you know, keep. You know, it's just, it's just, it was just prayer, but it was in faith and it was in unity. And here's what happened. God healed her, turned away death's door and brought her, restored her to many more years. When it was absolutely certain, and I see Don shaking his head because he remembers that night. I'm telling you, it was a miracle. And there was rejoicing because of that miracle. God hasn't changed, friends. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed in 2,000 years. He hasn't changed in 20 years. He hasn't changed in 20 minutes, nor will he. He is our healer. And when God does something in your life, rejoice, leap, 
and praise God. Have faith. Believe for God to do above and beyond what we ask. Let a surge of faith come into you. Then act upon that faith with belief and truth. Matthew 17 says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him, for those who believe. The third thought is that making sense of it all, making sense of it all. Acts chapter three, verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? That's such a good phrase. Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Making sense of it all. What, what are we making sense of? Peter is bringing some understanding of the people who are gathered. What in the world is going on? Because you could imagine what happened when a man who had been crippled from birth is now running around and praising God. When they knew this guy had been sitting at the, at the temple day after day, year after year. Peter uses this as an opportunity to share clearly that this is the work of Jesus. He is the, fo- Jesus is the focus and the center of the miracle. Peter takes all of the attention off of himself. He takes all of the attention off of the man and he points the attention to Jesus. He gives Jesus the glory and the honor. It is Jesus whose name, having been appropriated by faith, was strong enough to heal this man completely. That's exactly what occurred. And this remains true in 2021. As a church, understand this, as a church, we believe, and I as your pastor, believe that Jesus heals today. If I do not believe that, I have no business standing where I'm standing and saying what I'm saying. I believe it. I have seen it. And I am grateful for what God is able to do today on your behalf. On your behalf. Maybe your need is extreme. Maybe it isn't as extreme as someone else's. But regardless, there's a need. God is able. Jesus, remember this. Jesus is here for help and comfort and peace and provision, salvation, strength, and healing to those who are among us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Remember, Jesus, there's something about that name. It's the name that's above every name. And as I was preparing this week, I, I, came, I, I was thinking through this question in my mind. And it may be on yours today. You might have said something like this. I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have not been healed. Oh, my friend hasn't been healed. My family member hasn't been healed. What is, why? Is it me? Is there sin in my life? Is there, what what is the world's going on? Why? God, why? Have you ever asked that question? Don't answer that question. Just, because I know everyone in the room has. I have. I have. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. 
God heals. The reason I know that is because scripture declares to me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scriptures declare to me, I, the Lord, do not change. And if God himself says, I do not change, that means that the character of God and the personality of God also doesn't change. If he was a healer, if he was a healer throughout the Old Testament, he remains a healer today. It's his name. It's his name. There's a phrase, and just so so you know, God, I, I really believe that God heals in three ways. He heals instantly, immediately. I believe he heals by process over a period of time. I believe he also heals through the medical profession. And I believe that God heals us ultimately when we step from this life into the next. God heals us. That doesn't change. But God's able to do that now. There's a phrase in the Latin that you may not, probably haven't, I don't know that I've ever used it. But it's a Latin phrase that says Deo Valente. And Deo Valente means if the Lord wills or God, if God wills it, God willing. And some of us... (laughs) We might use that as an add-on in our prayers, if, if, if it's the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's will. I really think that it needs to be more than a motto. Uh, and I might suggest this, that using that phrase is perfectly appropriate, God willing. But listen, it needs to be a faith-filled, a faith-filled declaration that God has my best interest in mind and that he will always do what is right. We may not understand why God does what God does when God does it, but we are to trust him and to say, God, your will be done. Because honestly, I'm good with God's will being done in my life, regardless of what it is. We need to come to that place. It needs to be a faithful declaration. Genesis 18 says, should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? The answer is yes, he will. And then James 5, if anyone is sick among you or anyone in trouble, let him pray. Is anyone happy, let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick, let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Finally, this morning, is this time to respond. Okay, time to respond. Acts chapter three, verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all of the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer, repent then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until that time, until the time he comes for God to restore everything. As he promised long ago, though through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. And you must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel and the heirs of the prophets and the covenant God made with your fathers. And the covenant God made with your fathers, excuse me. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So after Peter's explanation of what has happened and, and, exa- and, and who and how he exalts Jesus, he then focuses not on healing, but on something greater. And that is really significant. It's really significant. 
because he's calling the people to response at this point. Really, it's for us too. He's not talking about healing. He's already done that. He's, he's set it in place that God's a healer. He's going to do it. But let's talk about something greater. So here's a thought for you. As important as physical healing is, spiritual healing is of greater importance by far. You see, that's why we can say, God willing. Because spiritual healing is far more important than our physical healing. Yes, God wants to heal you. I believe that. Absolutely believe it. But more importantly, God wants to heal your heart. He wants to bring us from death to life. Talk about a miracle. There it is. Every one of us who know Jesus today, you are a miracle. You're a miracle. Peter calls the people to respond to repentance and then to be refreshed and then to anticipate the restoration of all things. That's what he's saying. And while this is a call to the audience at the gate called beautiful, it's also a call to you and to me. It's time for us, a call to, rep- a call to respond is simply saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm, re- I'm going to turn away from the things that have taken me down the wrong pathway. I'm going to turn towards you. Lord, I'm going to receive the refreshing of sins forgiven. And Lord, I cannot wait until the day you come to bring me home to my eternal dwelling. Amen? That's how we should look at life. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud, huge crowd of witnesses, do the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set for us. The writer of Hebrews is really clear that sin easily trips us up. So here's a thought for you. What? What are you tripping over? What is it? Can we get real for just a moment? We talk about healing. We talk about a miracle. We talk about what is it that you're tripping over? What is it that continues to entangle your life? Come to grips with that today and say, no more. I'm going to repent. I'm going to receive the refreshing that comes from repentance. And I cannot wait until Jesus comes to get me. It's time to respond. It's time to respond. You see, what happens is our sins are wiped out. They are washed off. They're erased. They're obliterated. That refreshing comes from the Lord. And every time I think about that word refreshing, I go back to a Lipton iced tea ad. You go, what? Guy takes a glass of iced tea and he takes a drink and he falls into a swimming pool. What happens? You can hear the, ah, that's exactly what God wants to do in you. It's to bring refreshing when sins are forgiven. And then finally, I love this. God does not wipe away our sins without adding refreshment to our spirits. Come on, that's good. That's good. And then finally, complete restoration. It's a promise upon which we can find hope and comfort. So as we bring our time to a close this morning, so it begins. You think when you talk about things like this that you're not going to have opposition, huh? Oh, no, there's opposition. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. And while that's a mythical battle that we talked about from Lord of the Rings, what we see in the chapters that come is a real fight against the kingdom of God. It's going to happen. But remember, the devil cannot endure, hear me, the devil cannot endure the exaltation of Jesus Christ. He cannot endure it. And when Jesus is lifted up, he is going to fight. Get ready for it. But remember, greater is he that is in you and in us than he that is in the world. And remember as well, 
Jesus is a name that heals, a name that is powerful, a name that brings us to our knees, a name that is victorious, a name that is beautiful beyond description, a name that saves us, a name that brings comfort and peace, a name that is above every name of this final thought, Jesus, there's something about that name. There's something about your name that is different from any and every other name. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. And I pray in these next few moments, you do something marvelous among us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. We lift you up today. We exalt you, Jesus. Scripture is clear that when you are lifted up, everyone's going to be drawn to you I pray that's exactly what would occur right at this very moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.